0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Spotlight on Sports. I'm your host, Christopher Hines, and I'm joined, as usual, by Andrew Parloxy and Jeff Dickinson-Fox. And this week, we are ready and rearing for another interesting topic, politics and sport, with the recent controversy surrounding Colin Kaepernick and some of the other politics and sports news. But first, the upsets over the weekend? We've had a lot of them, especially in the AFL. The Western Bulldogs beating the West Coast Eagles on Thursday, knocking the runners up from last year. That was something that neither of us here on the desk predicted.
1: No, we definitely didn't. Uh, but it was it was entertaining to watch the Bulldogs play a very attacking style.
0: Caleb Daniels had a bit of media focus in the time since.
1: Oh, he's terrific, isn't it? Good to see such the smallest guy I think in the uh, smallest AFL guy in the competition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah having such a a big impact, Uh, yeah, he was was fantastic. I thought he was the Bulldogs' best player.
0: And he certainly he's got this media attention. If he wasn't already recognisable enough, as you say, with his short stature and his helmet, he'll definitely be recognisable now.
1: And he he used the ball so well too. I mean, it wasn't just that he got a lot of the foot. He he was passing it very accurately to teammates as well. So that's why he had such a big impact on the game.
0: This is a lot further than people expected the Bulldogs to go after they lost Bob Murphy to injury.
2: It was more of a choke job from the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's I think that's fair to say. it's easy to to come up with something like this in hindsight and particularly if you have tipped the team that has choked.
0: Didn't cope very well with the home home expectations right there, Jeff. Just Maybe that 16 start
2: didn't agree with them we Yeah, had a
1: discussion about it being a bit early last week. <laughs> yeah. they, they hadn't turned up yet at that time.
2: Yeah, and what amazed me about the upset win from the Bulldogs was they were consistently strong for the entire game. Like yep. their, their lead didn't stop growing. They from didn't midway, let up at all. From midway through the first quarter, uh, it went up to a 47-point win just in small increments all the way to full time.
1: There was When it was about
2: four goals, the lead at halftime, I, w- I was thinking to myself,
1: "Oh, is it going to be enough or are they going to start to fall away a bit the bulldogs especially given you know that they had an injury already i think at that (laughs) stage to lynn john
0: and the second upset of the week obviously gws getting the better of sydney now you two didn't seem to think gws would push them too hard you said it was going to be fairly comfortable i didn't for the record, exactly say GWS are going to win. So I don't think I can claim credit for it, but I did say they were going to be pushed pretty hard. So can kind of say that I had a little bit of an idea what was going to go on. But... Is he still going, Andrew, about this?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be. 30 seconds an hour almost still going?
0: Well, if I said something along the lines of a correct prediction, I might as well point to that. But, yeah, it was a fantastic game. And GWS, exactly the same as you were saying with the Bulldogs, uh, they didn't let up at all. They just kept going the whole game, and especially in that last quarter, they really lifted their intensity just to shut Sydney right out of the game.
1: And we had a bit of an incident in that game too, evidently, with uh, the, oh, com- the comments it's from... Oh, gone off.
2: <laughs> oh, I think that's uh, someone from Greater Western Sydney saying, no, you haven't supported us all season. <laughs> Don't get on our bandwagon now. Yeah. <laughs> too late chick. right too late you were saying
1: Andrew yeah. I I was talking about Shane Mumford and his his comments to Lance Franklin attracting a bit of news during the week I was wondering yeah, uh, I mean, if you've got any opinion on that Chris
0: Obviously it wasn't the worst sledge in aircomers that we've ever heard but I think to a certain extent that that sort of thing when it's that personal and about somebody's mental health it's probably pushing the boundary of what's acceptable, I'd, I'd say.
1: Because I don't know exactly what quote you saw, but I, the one I saw was something along the lines of, oh, good that you're not on holidays like yeah, last so year just, at this just, time. Or just as a reminder to, uh,
0: to viewers who may not be aware, last year Buddy Franklin was going through some depression and mental illness and he asked the Sydney Swans for some time away from the game and GWS have just given him a bit of niggle and said, well, glad you're not on holiday as you were last year, pointing, just giving him a bit of a stick about that. And I, I think when it crosses the line and it's a joke about mental illness, it kind of may be overstepping a boundary a little bit. Interestingly, though, Your Jeff... Thoughts, I, uh, Jeff?
1: Yeah, oh, sorry. go ahead. I was going to say, I, I noticed in the Herald Sun... Uh, that Mark Robinson wrote about it, and he, he suggested that actually Franklin started the discussion by by making a comment to Mumford about the fact that he was <laughs> moved on from Sydney.
2: Um, so I, I'm wondering what your views on the Hollington are. Isn't it often the case? It's you know one comment might get publicized and be in the forefront and 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 be inappropriate. but normally when something like this happens banter is two ways you've got it's very there's always someone to instigate street, yeah. something's something's happened before there's a bit of history for it to escalate to a comment like this it doesn't just come from out of from uh, uh, a neutral relationship with the player to a, a comment as, as serious as this there's got to be something hmm. in between that's happened before this and well, bearing uh, in um, mind
1: that the 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 suggestion is that the reason that Mumford perhaps wasn't kept on at Sydney, was to accommodate the wage of <laughs> Franklin. so yeah, he Yeah, that's in. history, all
0: right. <laughs> well, there we go here. We've heard it from Jeff, Dickens and Fox. It takes two to tango. So, yeah, I think it's um, certainly not a one-way street and uh, Buddy may have something to answer for. But as you said, it's it's happens to be the situation where it's Mumford's comment that gets publicised.
2: And does it stay on the field? Does it not? Not mean in this anything case at after all. full time?
1: Well, I don't know. Now I've got this strange vision of Mumford and Franklin dancing the tango, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I don't think that's one that Buddy will be too happy about.
1: I don't know that dancing with the stars will quite take on that concept, but you never know. It'd yeah, probably no. be <laughs>
2: could be something. They're new. struggling for ratings at some point. I'm sure they'll have it in the back of their mind.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, just finishing off with our upset wins, but of course, there's one that we have to mention. On behalf of our guest last week and our good friend Jordan Franken, the Sharks getting on top. That was a good win, guys.
2: Sharks were uh, entering the game with all this doom and gloom. They had won just one of their last six games, (laughs) and Paul Gallen was ruled out their captain 24 hours before the game with this mysterious injury. Canberra playing at home had won 10 games in a row and averaged over 30 points a game. So this really is a, a shocking result. And somehow, Cronulla won.
0: The, it was the uh, Raiders who got over the line when they played earlier in the season as well. So, everything was pointing to the Raiders, but uh, Sharks got home, and Jordan will be over the moon about that.
2: The Sharks were 12-0 down. They had more errors in the game. They gained fewer metres than the Raiders. They had more missed tackles, but somehow they still won. That, I was in just going how did they win? That, how did they... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just... There was a couple of uh, couple of key moments, particularly at the end of the first half. There was one moment the the sharks were down twelve nil, and and the lead could have been twenty or thirty because Canberra was so strong. Uh, but there was a, a try there from a Cronulla player Matt Pryor almost on half time, which shouldn't have happened, but it did. So that's what really got them back in the game.
0: And another bit more comfortable win, Jeff. This time your team, the one of them.
2: Uh, it is, it is my ultimate superior team, <laughs> no, no question. <laughs> the Brisbane, I'm to- you're talking about?
0: Yeah, Brisbane, of course, the Broncos, uh, beating the Gold Coast Titans, their Queensland rivals, and now going on to a semi-final against their other Queensland rivals, the Cowboys. Repeat of uh, final.
2: It will be. This uh, This game against the Titans was uh, a lot of the players described it as weird. It really, it really was similar to you know, you could call the Canberra and Cronulla game weird. It uh, had referees not performing up to standard and, and quite a few incidents where there was injuries and suspensions, which have implications on the Broncos v. Cowboys this week. And And re- it it had a lot of drama. So by the end of the game, people more focused about some of the, the uh, implications of the game rather than actual performances of the teams. But it... At full-time, we knew Brisbane were the better side than the than the Titans, and no matter what refereeing decisions were made, Brisbane deserved to win that game.
0: And just before we move on from our news, how can we go through the week wrap-up without mentioning one of the best games of the year in terms of an AFL perspective? Geelong getting the job done again against the Hawks. Fantastic win.
1: Yeah, it was, although... It's interesting, isn't it, how these things are reported. I mean, what what would the media have been saying if things had gone the other way with that kick after the siren there and Hawthorne had
0: hit the lead with that one? That was a very interesting kick. Um, There's been a lot of criticism on poor Isaac Smith's shoulders over the last few days, given what happened. And a lot of it is focused on he was grinning, he was laughing and smiling and carrying on having a joke. Before taking a Wasn't kick... Was
1: that maybe just trying to calm the news, would you suspect, though, Chris?
0: But that could very well be Smith's way of settling himself down a bit, but it's been reported as arrogance. Hawthorne arrogance, you know, just taking it too casually and then, whoops, who, behind. Who, who was saying that? There's been quite a few in a certain newsroom I work in reporting that.
2: Oh, okay. I think I think it showed not necessarily cockiness or arrogance uh because there was from the expert commentators on the game at the time they they were saying before he kicked it he wasn't a certain need to to knock it down and that that's all laughing and and joking around i reckon that showed some uh, uncontrol he he couldn't handle the situation and just couldn't keep emotions in check like he he probably was thinking oh if i'm not if i tighten up here i'm i'm i might miss the kick if i just be loose and just do all these things to loosen me up, like choke around, which looks terrible. But thought I don't think I think don't think he handled it that well.
1: That's what I would think too. That it was trying to calm himself down a bit, or you know, trying to relax enough to take the kick. Because I mean, if you were going to be cocky, I would have thought you'd be cocky once you'd kick the goal, not before <laughs> you'd taken the kick.
0: Mm. Well, those Geelong players, though, so they were certainly over the moon flying and leaping and jumping all over the place once it kicked once the kick had gone astray
1: I'm just wondering when when someone else going to get a go though I mean we've seen Geelong and Hawthorne so much yeah it was a great game but haven't they had their turn
0: well if, um, if this Bulldogs match goes the way that uh, they had a fairy tale win last week and have another one this week who knows it may not be a Geelong Hawthorne rematch for us
1: the hist- history of it tends to be that that you know the team that finished in the top four the next week uh, if they've lost one and they come up against a, a team from the lower half of the eight the next week they tend to tend to beat them but but the Bulldogs will be hoping be a, they pull off another could be upset a change
2: this time
0: yeah they'll yeah. be hoping that
2: I think this extra week of footy could be beneficial for the Hawks you know if the, instead of having another bye. For the Hawks specifically to have another another chance to hit top form in this game is is probably going to be do them some good.
0: So, on to our main discussion this week, as we promised, sport and politics. And starting off, for our listeners who may not know, there's been some controversy in the US with Colin Kaepernick refusing to stand for the US National Anthem. And there has been a couple of athletes who've followed in his footsteps of late and that's all to do with him saying that the US is a racist country, I'm not gonna stand for an oppressive government and an oppressive nation with an oppressive history so I guess not quite the same thing as Adam Good's, and certainly not quite the same level of Exaggerated publicity that Adam Goods had a couple of years ago with this spear throwing, but it has been interpreted, could be interpreted by as being troublemaking in the same way that a lot of people, including Sam Newman on the footy show, said that Adam Goods was.
1: From my point of view, anyway, they're very different situations uh, in that. Yeah. I mean, the Adam Goods situation was open to interpretation, one could say, in that some people were, were interpreting the the booing of goods as, as racism and, and then others, and others weren't. weren't and others were seeing other other motivations for it whereas how i think in, in this american situation that the, there's a clear cut issue at hand that they're, that they're protesting about which is to do with the the police shootings um, over there of, of black people um, so it's it's a bit of a different situation i guess as this not the same level of interpretation involved it's just whether you think that 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 form of protest is appropriate or not i guess but the actual the actual reason he's he's protesting i guess you know that you can see a clear
0: clear motivation. motivation
1: for it
2: what do you think jeff look i'm i think i'm fine with colin's actions and there are strong feelings and legitimate reasons to, to the actions he's taken so that's all the convincing i need like this isn't some shallow media stunt he's uh very serious about this and is very committed to the cause.
0: Is it perhaps concerning in some way, though, that so many people, especially young people, even in high schools, have followed his lead?
1: Concerning in which way, though, Chris?
0: I mean, it obviously depends on which perspective you come from. But if you disagree with Copernic's stand and you think, oh, he's making a a mountain out of a molehill, it's not his job to, to... told the police off or anything like that, you'd feel a little bit aggrieved to see the influence he's had on younger people in high school and getting them to, to take a stand where some people, not necessarily us in this room, but some people may deem that unnecessary and he's got young people following in his footsteps.
1: I guess the concern I would have is if it got to the stage where there was pressure put on people to, to actually take that action themselves, you know, and, and but if, if for instance, it. they were standing proudly for the national anthem, then people were were saying a little like with the good situation with the the booing. You know, oh, you're you're showing pride in the national anthem, and so, <laughs> and so on. so. There, that means that you're you're supporting oppression of black people, for instance. I certainly um,
0: don't think it's come to that stage yet. No, so, but I just yeah. you
1: know, it, it, I could see it. You know, potentially in some places, at least some people perhaps taking that view, yeah. um, but. I think, you know, as long as people are free to to do as they choose in that regard, I I can understand it.
0: Even prior to Copernic, we've had athletes in this recent Olympics not standing for the anthem or doing even some people training with the anthem. But Copernic's been the highest profile one and he's been the one that the most protests have, most publicity and the most protests have followed afterwards.
1: And I suppose part of the issue is that, I mean, this situation's been going on, obviously, for so long, and it it, it just never seems to get any closer to resolution. So I, I can understand how people, athletes, get frustrated with what's been happening and feel like they need to make some sort of a, a
0: stance. Especially when they feel that they're representative of that particular community.
2: You know, that's fair enough. And what I more think about before any of these big things come to light or start is in, in, in the NBA in America so America again before every game they have there's there's the American National Anthem and that league now is filled with so many international players I've always and they and and everyone stands up for the anthem there. I've always wondered if any of the international players decide if they didn't want to stand for the National Anthem you know what sort of reaction that would get like someone like a Patty Mills is going well I'm Australian and I'm not American and, and why would I stand for the American National Anthem
0: yes. thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you'd probably be wading into dangerous territory there if Paddy Mills, I guess, took that stand. But it's something you point out that he would be entitled to do. Yeah, it is an interesting
1: one. I guess especially if you looked at it more from the point of view of of a country that maybe has a more frosty relationship with the United States, for instance, then someone might might not really like standing for the anthem. But I guess maybe that's... a choice they make in whether they play
2: in, in America, perhaps. And then, of course, we had the uh, Australian cricket team cancelling their tour of Bangladesh because of suspected isis plant attack. And, you know, we were debating if politics and sport is a, a good venture or a bad venture, but well, uh, certainly that, I thought, was positive.
0: England not opting to do so on their upcoming tour of Bangladesh as a board decision. However... Owen Morgan, the one-day captain, has opted out of the tour. And Josh Butler, the wicketkeeper, he will now um, take over the reins. So that's, that's going to unsettle the players, maybe be a bit disruptive to change the captain at the last minute. But I think England, England definitely from an official point of view from the cricket board, they're keen to, to go on with the tour.
1: Yeah, they, they do appear to have made that decision conclusively now. So it is an interesting one, isn't it, when there's supposed to have been these suspected uh, threats to the Australians previously. I mean, why should England really be any different? I guess they symbolise the same kind of culture, characteristics yeah. and culture.
0: Well, cricket's an interesting one when we talk about cricket and politics and sport, where in Sri Lanka we've had... There's a rule written into the law, where any cricket team that's picked to tour another nation, the sports minister can, if he would like to, go over the team sheet and handpick players that he doesn't like, and swap them for others.
1: So that would come. That would apply a fair bit of pressure on players, I guess, to say the right things in the public domain. I mean, you And I mean,
0: some people, once you once you've reached a certain point of invincibility, I guess players just don't care anymore they'll say well i'm too valuable to the team and now i'm going to say x y and z against the sports minister or against the government or whatever because they can't drop me i'm too important and it has landed them in hot water but it hasn't got them dropped but the problem is it's very hard to get yourself to that position of in Im- immunity in the team
1: yeah and then i suppose one has to ask the question if if they're relying on that sort of situation, then what happens if they have a couple of bad innings, for instance, then are they they going to come under pressure a lot quicker than they might have otherwise?
0: And speaking of cricketing politicians and their interests in the game, we've got a clip of former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd and his cricketing interests.
2: Stealing the limelight about an hour ago was the uh, Foreign Minister, Mr. Kevin Rudd. He was here with a Chinese delegation and, well, trying to explain the game of cricket to them, but eventually ended up as a translator when they ran into Peter Siddle, who took the hat-trick and six wickets in the first innings, and uh, and Geoffrey Boycott also. They ran into him and he had a
0: little bit of advice. Stay with the British, not the American games. Baseball, no oh, good. Baseball, no good. Cricket, the game. <laughs> ball?
2: No, ball.
1: Yeah. Kevin, he just never misses an opportunity to show off that Chinese does he? How creepy was a... that?
2: He insisting on cricket. They probably don't even know what baseball is or what the the English word for baseball is. The, all that polite um, laughter just got very creepy right at the end there.
0: With Jeff Boycott at the end.
1: Yeah, it was a funny little clip, wasn't it?
2: Let him go. Uh,
0: Kevin Ruddy, he's, he's had um, his troubles in the past with speaking Mandarin, but yeah, he's certainly been to the cricket a couple of times with Chinese delegations.
2: So that was in 2010 at the Gabba. Uh, yeah, you took some visiting Chinese thing the trees for a cricket experience.
0: But perhaps before we move on from the subject of cricket. And before and that, sorry, sports,
2: that audio, thanks to Cricket Australia TV.
0: Perhaps one of the most embarrassing moments in Australia's diplomatic history. Kevin Rudd's predecessor, John Howard, in the 90s, bowling in Pakistan, the one of the worst deliveries in the history of the game.
2: Hey, Kevin Rudd's got similar candidate for for delivering as as what John Howard does. Both terrible.
1: Well, I mean, how
2: much worse was it than Harmison's first ball in one of
1: those Ashes series? Yeah, probably exactly. a lot
0: worse, because <laughs> Harmison got it on the pitch.
1: No, he went, no, he went he didn't. to second slip. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, he got it on the. Gr- John Howard probably would have been lucky to get it, not get it into bay thirteen. <laughs> Admittedly,
1: I think John Howard's one maybe bounced a couple of times and then rolled along the ground. (laughs) a little mully grubber.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it certainly wasn't the brightest moment in Australian-Pakistan relations.
1: Bob Hawke hitting the ball into his glasses at one stage, and And there was another one.
0: Yes, there has been the odd Bob Hawke incident at the cricket, but you also have to remember his good moments at the cricket, such as sculling down beers at Bay 13. So it's not all bad for Bob Hawke.
1: So in some ways, politics and sport, when it comes to politicians and cricket, do mix, and in some ways they don't. But the maybe the well, messages stay off the ground.
0: <laughs> Perhaps the most famous example of Australian cricket and politics is the annual Prime Minister's Eleven match, where it can be a two-day game, it can sometimes be a one-day game, where the Prime Minister picks, hand picks a team of players to play against whichever team may be touring at the
1: time. I might just add that's sort of taking on the uh, Sri Lankan approach to selection, isn't it?
0: Well, not permanently. That's just one game of the year where the Sri Lankan one's yep. a bit too...
1: But I mean, we do it as a tribute to you guys yeah. for that, that one game. <laughs> what do you reckon, Jim?
2: Oh, a, a Prime Minister's select 11. The Prime Minister took time out, put pen to paper and put his favourite 11 in for, for a trip. I think
0: with John Howard it might be genuinely his team, but Perhaps, say, for less cricket fans, it may not be the actual Prime Minister, in air quotes. Yeah, exactly. I, don't,
1: I don't think when uh, Paul Keating was in, he would have
2: actually known <laughs> who any of the cricketers were, to be honest. Exactly. And they've got a similar thing in Rugby League. They've got a Prime Minister 13. Uh, that team was actually picked uh, in, for, for Rugby League during the week, because uh, they've got one game a year against the Papua New Guinea in PNG, starting in 2005 and coached by Mel Meninga who, funny enough, had a little political career of his own and who could forget how long that lasted. I
1: was just a person out there making sure that I was um, <laughs>
0: I'm buggered. I'm sorry.
2: All conveniently fit into about eight seconds, I think, that clip goes for, so, yeah. Just
0: about as long as his career. Do we owe anyone In credit politics. for that one? Sorry, do we owe anyone credit for that one? Yeah,
2: that was uh, Channel Nine. That audio was on twenty-eight to one. But uh, sports as candidates, political candidates, happens quite a bit out of Queensland. Uh, On this election just gone, we had Glenn, the brick with eyes, Lazarus. Uh, He was a sitting member, but got voted out uh, this year. He was aligned to the Palmley Nine Party and turned independent. And Kerry Walters. So both of these guys, former NRL players, contested seats, both lost. That's just too often, in rugby league and, and politics don't mesh.
0: So just for our listeners um, may or may not remember some of our more dedicated listeners, we did a previous podcast called The League Lookout where I once predicted a Papua New Guinean upset against Fiji. So,
1: Were you wondering too, Jeff, how long it would take to get to mentioning that again? No. I was extremely surprised Now that it, we have the, it took this long.
0: Exactly. <laughs> now that we have the same... Uh, occurrence here with the Prime Minister 13, I'm going to stick with my prediction and go with Papua New Guinea for a second time, see how that goes this time around.
2: That would be an upset 10 times bigger than what we saw throughout the year. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, going back onto politicians and things like that, if we look at uh, the past few Prime Ministers, well, not exactly in order, but uh, Tony Abbott, And Kevin Rudd, Kevin Rudd, you would always find uh, sitting in stands at Brisbane Broncos or Brisbane Lions games because he's Brisbane based. Tony Abbott, a a Manly Sea Eagles fan, he often attends Manly Sea Eagles games. Cameras get footage of that. But what about Malcolm Turnbull? I think he, I think we can say for certain he's a bit more of an AFL fan. Uh, Turnbull was on stage at the 2015 NRL Grand Final, and that's about it. But Turnbull's not really in touch with sports, guys.
0: The AFL and he he has made some controversial statements that angered a few members of the Australian public when he proudly proclaimed AFL to be the best code in Australia. What's what's wrong with that though? <laughs> Coming from the proud <laughs> Victorian as always in Andrew Andrew Parloxy. But uh yeah, I mean I remember earlier on in the year, Joe Biden getting pulled at all corners of the of the political spectrum, being told to follow West Coast, follow Carlton and he was being, obviously on the West Coast side, it was um, Julie Bishop trying to get him to follow West Coast, but being pulled on both sides of the political, both sides of the sporting direction by the politicians surrounding her. Him, He was actually guided by and translated the game, much as Kevin Rudd did to his Chinese delegation, by none other than a fellow American... Mason Cox from Collingwood, so that was pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, I think there was actually a St Kilda game on the same day, so I'm not sure why he ended up at the MCG instead of Docklands, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) still (laughs) happy, Andrew. Well, probably because of Mason Cox, he knew there was an American there who could talk some sense behind the AFL.
1: We've got Jason Holmes down at St Kilda, our ruckman.
0: Is he also American?
1: He's American, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, he could have gone to Docklands. From
1: Chicago, could have gone
0: to Docklands and why yeah. why waste his time at the MCG
1: yeah I agree about the comment before about Malcolm Turnbull and sport he doesn't really
2: strike me as a sporty sort no he's I picture him on a Saturday night just kicking back on a lazy boy recliner with a <laughs> bottle of San Gervais or something like that you know so <laughs> not <laughs> watching sport probably watching some well probably not watching the ABC but no probably maybe. streaming some old antiques Program And
0: Tricks Road Show.
2: <laughs> Didn't want to name them, but... <laughs> oh, that's not a bad show. Have you, have you ever given it a try?
0: For about five minutes before I, I turned it off.
2: I think I always see it waiting for a dentist or, or a GP. <laughs> that's about
0: it. Satisfy some of the uh, my elderly clientele while they're waiting for their appointment. But uh, there are some times where politics and sport do mix in a positive way. And one of the more well-known examples from years gone by is uh, Nelson Mandela famously coming out in the Springboks jersey in the 1995 World Cup final. The uh, Africana population had been isolated to that point by some of the sweeping changes that had gone through towards the end of apartheid, and they they were quite understandably afraid of their place in South African society, but that gesture by Mandela to come out in the most beloved symbol of Africana culture in South Africa, the Springboks jersey, and say you're welcome in this country.
1: You know, it's a pretty brave thing to do from what I understand too because the the Springbok was seen as a really hated symbol by, by a lot of the, of the people, the, non, the non-Afrikaner population. Yeah. Non-Afrikaners, I guess, in the yeah. community. Uh, so, and I think a lot of people from what I've read really wanted to get rid of that symbol, but Mandela was... One who said, no, we should stick with it and, and I guess all unite. And
0: that's, that's the thing where he knew I can use politics and sport and mix this well and make a, by sticking with the decision to stay with the Springboks name, I'll make a community that feels isolated know that their place is still very much intact in the country. So guys, just before we move on, from our discussion, are there any other notable moments you guys can think of where sport and politics have mixed, perhaps in a positive way?
2: The negative, I think, outweighs the positive. I don't have any more positive examples for you. I'm trying to come up with one at the moment, Chris.
1: You got well, me on the
2: hop with that have you, have you about,
1: one. You. What about what
0: about the negatives, then, Jeff?
2: Pretty much, what I've brought up is I'm dead set. You're the, just
0: uh, you're just stuck with uh, your main main. Nothing negative, else comes to mind. Which is Malcolm Turnbull's not not good enough. I just want to Shoot see more his, from our current PM.
2: Yep. He's been in lo- He's been in the seat long enough. He's got to, instead of just showing up on stage for an NRL grand final, no, he's got to can, be a bit more into it.
0: Maybe you can get to an A-League game or two. Possibly. Here's the call, Malcolm. Get on to the soccer. Get on to the NRL more often. Get out there. Get in public.
2: Even the lawn bowls, if that's more his sport, get out there on the lawn.
0: Lawn bowls, and in the background there'll be a TV showing antics roadshow at the uh, retirement at the Canberra local Canberra retirement home, or perhaps you can do some actually. He's a
2: good kayaker. He's been kayaking around the uh, Sydney Harbour. You, you guys hear about that? Because no. he, he lives right on the uh, the water in uh, right in Sydney. He's. Uh, Gets out on the kayak every now and again. That's technically a sport, but he does that by himself and his media crew. That's about it.
0: And with plenty of time left in the podcast, why not take a look ahead to the rest of the week where we've got two big games coming up for the AFL with Sydney, of course, playing again after losing their prelim final to the GWS. And this time they'll be taking on Adelaide, who will be stopped. Tough to stop with any bets on fire.
2: I'll start. I'll jump on the GWS bandwagon. Will you accept me, Chris?
0: Why not? GWS needs more than just five fans. <laughs> yep. Well GWS well,
1: are just having a rest this week though,
0: though, aren't they?
2: Yeah, i I mean I'll be back in the win next week, maybe. I'm just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, saying, but, uh, just
0: just getting getting on the GWS bandwagon, it's it's not a not a bad one to be on. Like you'd like to see them pull a surprise or two. And uh the other match, of course, Sydney and Adelaide and Hawthorne making, trying to make amends for their loss with Geelong, as we mentioned, with the Bulldogs. And Andrew, you said it would be tough for certain for the Bulldogs to pull off an up a second upset in a row.
1: Oh, I think they can do it, um, but as I've suggested earlier, history does seem to indicate that more often than not, the uh, the team that finished in the top four tends to end up winning that one in the, the second week of the finals after losing the first game of the finals. But from what we saw of the Bulldogs last week, I mean, they certainly look capable of doing it and Hawthorne sort of had a fairly up and down year. Um,
0: they what, ha- certainly haven't been at their absolute best that we know of them to be.
1: But one, one question mark, I guess, is going to be over those injured players who came back in last week. And I mean, I know last week I... I said I didn't know how they'd go then, and, and they obviously went well. But uh, there is that issue, I guess, that sometimes when you come back from some time out of the game and you, you play a game, then then the week after that, it can catch up with you sometimes. So that that's a little bit of a concern. But I'm going to go out on a limb and tip the Bulldogs this week. All right. Interesting. That's
0: brave again from Andrew, but perhaps knowing what what we saw with hindsight from last week, maybe not such a bad idea.
2: Is it though? I would uh, pull out the cliche by saying never underestimate the heart of a champion. I'd, I'd much rather back the champion and lose than, than to uh, think that they're not capable of moving on the finals. So I'm dead set to Hawthorne get over this weekend. I oh,
1: make no mistake, I'm definitely not riding the Hawks off. But yeah,
2: but just... if the Bulldogs win, you... what happens to Hawthorne?
1: Well, yeah. They're, they're, if the Bulldogs win, then I'm definitely riding the Hawks off because <laughs> <laughs> you don't it's have much speu- other option. It's a little speculative still at this stage mm. before the bounce of the ball.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> I, 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 tend to be tend to agree with you that. I'm a bit swayed by your argument, Andrew, and I think Hawks maybe just have pushed their luck a bit. So, going with the Bulldogs.
1: And what about in the the Sydney Adelaide game though?
0: Adelaide or Adelaide or run Sydney really close, I'd go with Adelaide because 80 bets is just going to be hard to stop and Sydney, to me, Hawthorne were pushed but they still looked okay whereas I feel that Sydney just looked fragile after last week. So I'll go I'll go with Adelaide and the, their form, I mean, I guess they aren't the same proposition away from Adelaide as they are in Adelaide. In, in, in Adelaide, I think they'd be favourites for the game. But even away from Adelaide, away from South Australia, they're still a very good form team and I'd be backing them to do the job against Sydney.
1: Sydney's a very proud side, though, and, I mean, it's hard to see them putting in a, a second a, a performance form. like they put in last week, which was well below par in, I think, probably every department. So I'm going to go with Sydney narrowly.
0: Before I let you move on to your aforementioned topic of Broncos uh Cowboys.
2: Can I go for a Sydney can tip I first? Have a can I go for a, a tip in the that game? Sydney game
0: first? <laughs> He's certainly. not even giving you a say, is he? <laughs> no, I said before I let you move on from it. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Okay. Look, uh, I'm not ready to rule out the potential all Sydney Grand Final. So, I think that lives on at least another week in that in that the Swans can <laughs> That return. would
0: be a mouthwatering I would like to Absolutely. see that. Sure. And uh, certainly as we mentioned before in depth in the start of the podcast with the amount of feeling in the game last week, it would be really, really tense atmosphere as well. If we happen to see an all-Sydney final, yeah,
1: it should uh, add a bit of a spark, shouldn't it?
0: But back to you, of course, Jeff. With Broncos and Cowboys, are you? Do you think the Broncos will come out on top this time?
2: Yes. And look, I accept (laughs) there may be a bias here. I have provided a written explanation. So, to provide some reason behind a tip. And I'm
0: curious to see what you think. Just before you go into that, Jeff, for our listeners, I was asking that question on a very serious note. But as soon as Jeff said yes, Andrew just broke out into a grin from ear to ear, from here to Sydney.
2: I anticipated it. And I think (laughs) I can turn you, Andrew, with about. 50 to 100 words. The Cowboys deserve to be favourites for this game, but the Broncos are likely capable of winning. This is why. The Cowboys weren't that good against the Storm, and I think the Cowboys tried their absolute best to win. It wasn't good enough. The Broncos weren't far off their best against the Titans, and not since... Uh, the not, not since about f- over 15 years has there been a back-to-back premiere, which in this year would be the Cowboys history tells us the Cowboys are going to be knocked out it's just a matter of which round Brisbane coming up against the Cowboys <laughs> with grand final revenge should provide their best game and Brisbane's best is capable of being the Cowboys best so I'm thinking you know a four point win is on the way for the Broncos it's not likely but I'm
0: very happy to back it
1: um I'll tip Brisbane as well.
2: Yes, Andrew! <laughs> sweet.
0: He's been swayed. Well, i say it's close, and the Cowboys have some star players, but the one factor, which you did mention, which does probably sway Andrew and also sway myself, is that, in your own words, the Broncos' best is as good as the Cowboys' best. They have been showing that in the last few weeks after a mid-season stutter. So I'd back them again, and I'd say it's probably probably going to be under 10 points in favor of the broncos
2: wow i've got a round table of broncos support
0: <laughs> that's when that's they're very... not the favorite how well, did this happen
2: i must i must write out my explanations how more it often
0: <laughs> you know how it happened it's cuz john franken's not here yeah good point <laughs> well uh... you could provide an analysis that einstein would be proud of and john franken would still say no <laughs> <laughs> no comment you're on your own
1: there, Chris. I don't know when we'll get him back in here again.
0: <laughs> probably probably the next time Cronello win the grand final, which could could be now, it could be another 10 years.
2: What do you mean next time? They haven't won one yet. Oh, they <laughs> haven't won one Still without
0: a flare. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Even my sain is a one ahead of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun at Chris, uh, Jordan's expense! How
1: good is it? It's, it's almost bit... every
0: week that he's not on the show. To be fair, exactly. it's a
1: bit of a cheap <laughs> shot, isn't it, when we don't have him in here? If we if we get stuck in, but it's still fun, though, isn't
2: it? It's still fun. We should have a segment dedicated to to taking the piss out of Jordan.
1: Well, after so, after some of the things he said about Melbourne, anyway, my my lovely <laughs> hometown. Well, I was <laughs> yeah. just
0: going to say that's going to be the next. It makes no frankincense topic. It's how terrible we are. It makes no frankincense how much these these spotlight on sport guys take the piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, there's any any amount of things he could come up with, I guess, for that segment.
2: No shortage of material.
0: Second and in the, the,
2: And we've got, yeah, there's also another NRL final going on. I mean, it, it's just pretty big as well. Uh, it's got the two most flamboyant teams in the competition in attack. The, Ra- the Camber Raiders, the Penrith Panthers. High scoring for sure. We can't predict with much confidence who's going to win. Raiders has some injury concerns, though, which is pretty serious because it's affecting some key players. And, and look, the Panthers weren't inconsistent last week, but they could be. So, for tips, I if uh, if Blake Austin plays, he's one of the ones under an injury cloud, I, I will stick with the Raiders because it is being played in Canberra.
1: Oh, I'm going to go with the Panthers this time. I don't want to say the same as you for everything, Jim. <laughs> And and I kind of like the idea of a Panther better anyway. It seems like
2: a, a better team name. Exactly. Better yeah. name if, they than win, the if they win they'll be here in Melbourne next week. So this, this the winner of this game takes on Melbourne. Well in the preliminary final. That's right, for a spot yep. in the grand final. And I assume you'll you'll be there for that one. Absolutely.
0: I will not to get secured already. Not just because you disagreed with it, but I'm gonna go with the Panthers and my reasoning is when you've got a team with experience and they're good at home like Canberra, I'm just thinking As the same with the Bulldogs. They knew they had a lot of finals experience even though they'd been playing badly. They got the first try and then they just put the foot completely off the pedal against a young team, team full of run, full of gas, full of energy. And I think the same thing may happen again with the Panthers. Uh, this week against the Raiders. The Raiders, I feel, may possibly take them a bit lightly. And a young team like that is going to seize on its opportunity. And with the energy and run that they have, I could see an upset happening there.
2: There's a few things there. The uh, Canberra Raiders don't have that much finals experience. I think the last time they made finals 2010. So a lot of the, even like, I don't think there's any players on that team. I think there's only a couple left from 2010. And even the ones that are there at the moment don't have much finals experience. Most of them from England, from the Super League, and that's even if they played finals there, it's nothing like the NRL. And last week, I don't think the Bulldogs actually let off their foot off the gas against the Panthers. The Panthers were good enough to, to with the Bulldogs trying their absolute best. So Panthers were better to be able to shut them out of the game for for pretty much the last fifty minutes, which shows their quality. So
0: there you go, listeners. We can sometimes have a civil discussion on the Spotlight on Sports.
1: Well, there's never been any any violence in here or anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At least not on air. Not yet. (laughs) We're only three episodes in, mind you guys. So thanks very much once again for joining us on the Spotlight on Sports. And I'm sure we'll be back with you next week with another exciting topic. But for now... This is Christopher Hines signing off along with Andrew Paloxy and Jeff Dickinson Fox.